You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Hello, happy Monday. If you know, you know I've got my weed pin, my coffee. It's quite the combo. I have both tips. I got the straw in my mouth and I have the pin in my mouth. I'm going to inhale, okay? Oh, wait. I can't put liquid with the pen. I'm going to fuck my pen up. She tried. We'll just hit the pen. Hello. Welcome to the Horny Housewife. I am your host, Jordan. This is a place where we are the co-ed couples locker room, if you will, discussing all things better sex, sex in marriage, the evolution of marriage and sex in marriage. And I'm answering, giving my opinion, reacting and judging your listener questions. Okie dokie, let's get this episode started. First things first, if you're listening, hit the subscribe button if you are not. I don't know if you're going to like it or not, just click subscribe. If you don't like it, then just break up with me, dot me, 86 me, 86 me, yeah, 86 me. To the OG listeners, if you're not, so if you're listening and you're listening consistently and you're not subscribed, you're not helping me out. I mean, it's nice and dandy. I love you. Don't leave, please. I'm begging. But click that subscribe button, okay? Seal the deal. You got to get the updates. You got to know what's happening, okay? So today, it's not just me. It's going to be just me and you for a second, but at the end of the episode, I have a guest. I have a guest for you. So myself and this guest, Jason, we're going to be talking about conflict in relationships. So I know that every fucking one of you can benefit from this. Truly, it was actually one of my favorite interviews. We discussed how to approach your boundaries being crossed, your needs not being met, reality post-honeymoon phase, a lot of real ass shit. This interview really inspired me to look inward and see how me and my husband handle conflict. And instead of like looking and pointing my finger at him, looking at me and maybe how I could go about something differently. And I am a very self-aware person. I, I believe that full heartedly. I am always wanting to grow and evolve. And sometimes it's uncomfortable and I don't, I mean, I'm looking at ugly things about myself that I want to work on. So it's a good thing because that's how you evolve and being in denial about things that you need to work on. You're not going anywhere. You're going backwards. I really don't believe in like stagnant and just staying in one place. I literally think that is baby steps back. So a topic I thought that maybe some could relate to maybe women more than men, but I think that we've all been guilty of this at some point, even if it's in like a light, light way. And then there's cases where it could be like mad shit, like mad shit talking and shit talking is what I'm talking about. So, and I know certain people are more sensitive than others, but shit talking your spouse and not to their face. I I personally like recommend that. Derek is like, you are a shit talker. And I'm like, like 
to him, he's talking about like you have you do not hold back. Like you will say it and you don't really care how mean it sounds coming out. Something you need to work on. But I think that that's way better than going and talking shit about them to other people. And like, duh, you're like, duh. But think about it like this for a second. And women, like I'm, I'm not trying to pick on us right now, but I know how women can be, okay? Because you see it. If you don't relate to being this person, you relate to experiencing this for sure, where you go and there's that woman that is talking negatively about her husband and making it very apparent. And I know when you get close girlfriends, that that's who you can open up to. That's who you can be vulnerable with, or you want to get it off. You feel like you could go to no one, or it just happened, and then you're around someone, and then you have too many drinks, and then you're sharing things, and the next day you're like, oh, I wish I wouldn't have talked negatively about my husband to my fucking neighbor. You know what I mean? And maybe that's an embarrassing thing, but Again, being self-aware and going, you know, that's not what I want to breed in my relationship. And by breeding in your relationship, I mean like manifesting, you reap what you sow. And I think that there are certain people we have in our lives that are like sisters or brothers to us, or maybe it is our sister or our brother, someone we're close to. And inventing is okay. Like we don't want to have toxic positivity. Venting, getting it out, wanting perspective, wanting insight, being confused, being frustrated, but having a habit of being a little shit talker is not fucking cool. And you are going to end up with a mess on your hands because, and that will be your relationship. You are literally, if you knew, and this is not what my podcast is about, but I am a law of attraction, law of assumption. My words are fucking powerful. To me, it's fact. Someone else could say like, oh, woo woo, whatever. I'm not going down that path. But I know my words have so much power. And when if I am going out and talking shit, and I'm not talking about going to your best friend, Susie, I'm talking you went to Susie, Michelle, Carly, Violet, I mean, the whole gang, that's what you're going to see when you get home is all that shit you said. You're like, well, what if it's the truth? I promise you the more times you say it and the more you're talking about it, that's on the forefront of your mind and what you're going to be seeing right smack in your face. You are amplifying it. You are amplifying it. I promise. And men, I am not leaving you out. The men saying little negative, even if it's not heart, like shit talking mad, but it's these little negative comments about her, about how she's this way, how she's that way. And you think it's all fun and pokey. Try not making those comments. Like don't let them leave your lips. And I also think thinking the same thought over and over, you're going to get the same results, but Try not, let's take it a step, growth, growth, and not let it leave your lips, okay? And see if you start to view your husband or wife, this goes to both, differently. I'm promising results. And now we're getting a little serious, the listener questions, we can really liven it up and get naughty and talk about sex, but I have to say, perspective is everything. Perspective is everything, and there's so much to a marriage beyond sex. I happen to think and believe that sex is so fucking important and is so telling about your relationship. And I'm not talking about frequency 
because that is relative to your situation, to the factors of in your marriage. I'm talking about the type of sex you're having. Do you feel like you're connecting? Are you able to climax? And I know that women could be like, you know, I have a lot, I have difficulty. And that does not mean it is the man's fault. So not saying that, that's, I've done episodes talking about that. Hit up the archive if you're new. But my point in case is that, are, do you feel comfortable enough to express your needs in the bedroom? Are you able to communicate about sex? I've said it before. I will say it again over and over. People who communicate to their partner about their sex life are having better sex. Amen. Hallelujah. It's true. It's true. And circling back to land the shit talking segment, I think it's okay and it's productive and solution oriented when you're reaching out, like say you want to ask a listener question and you're like, well, I'm talking negatively about my spouse. You are getting vulnerable, being authentic and honest and asking a question because you want solution. You want something to change. So, but when you are venting, which we all need to do, but you're doing it on such a scale because what are you, how are you really benefiting from going and talking about your husband or your wife to seven different people in, in a horrible light, just slamming him, name call. I know it can be on any scale. It doesn't have to be name calling. It could be a lot lighter and just little digs, but you're going to seven people and doing that. What you're not really getting anything out of that. And if you're saying different perspectives, it's like, I don't know how helpful it could be. Only you and your partner really know what's going on behind closed doors. You two as a unit. And sometimes, you know, you have to not face your phone or your friend and face the person that you really want to talk shit about, but that is how you're going to find real resolution and be able to get over those things that you're talking mad shit about. You're never going to figure them out or they're never going to get better unless y'all are choosing each other. The Amazon sex position. Okay. The late, I don't know, ladies or men, anonymously, people have sent in like, I need an update. I've gotten like a few now, four people have asked for a follow-up. So I will tell you, my opinion is that I think everyone should add this to their to-do list to try in the bedroom because A, why the fuck not? But B, know that like, okay, we see it in porn and so just know like you're trying something new. If his dick doesn't look like the guy in the video's dick, like it could go differently. So just know and figure it out and get to going. Trust me, your guy's going to think you're a hot badass bitch. Either way, you might feel silly. As a woman, I felt like almost like, okay, do I seem... Because I was like going into it knowing like, let's try this. I felt like I was trying to learn a TikTok dance almost for about five seconds. But just add to your to-do list because it could be something that you're like, I fucking love this shit. For me, is this going to be the way that I climax the easiest? No. So I 
don't have anything against it, I recommend you go try it. And I would love to hear your feedback and how if it was mediocre, 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 if it was mediocre to you and meh or like overrated or underrated and you're like, this is not my go-to, let me know. I think if you were dealing with a man that had a massive dick, that this could be a really great position for you. So, so, you know, food for thought, food for thought. (laughs) Okay, Freaky family, it is time for your favorite segment of the episode, La Listener Questions, La La Listener Questions. I will never do that again. I will never, ever do that again. Okay, this first question is kind of wild, but since I was emo in the beginning, I thought I would just throw something at you because I know y'all are wanting it. My husband likes to go down on me after we screw. He suggested getting a buddy to screw me and then hubby would eat me. I said no, but he recently brought it up again. He seems to like come. Is he gay? Hilarious. Love you. Hey, girl, what's up? Uh, I... <laughs> There have been things that guys have done. There have been things guys have done that have turned me on that I also am like, that's, is that homosexual? But I don't fucking care. So just don't care. I mean, that's my advice to you. Like, is he? I mean, I think time will tell. I think you will know and you will find out if he is gay. Just go go search and see the porn he watches or, you know, just like snoop a little, find out. And if there's no evidence of him being homosexual, then I'm sure he's just a freak. So he's just a freak. I just shot you straight there. And I mean, think about it. Like, there are lots of girls, straight women, Tons of straight women, tons of straight women that enjoy lesbian porn, but they're not lesbians and don't desire to hook up with a woman. There are some women that are just fascinated and aroused by boobs and they're not lesbians. So I think it's just kinks, you know, just perversions, if you will, whatever. I feel like that has a negative stigma attached to it, but it's just a thing maybe. But if he is gay, I do think that time will tell us. But if you were with him, living with him, married to him, you you will find out. I mean, I guess I've heard of cases where people don't find out, but then he tells at like age 55. But I feel like that takes a sort of naive woman or maybe a very, very oppressed, like in the closet, shame, homosexual in the closet. I don't know. Moving on, question number two. New listener here with a question. My boyfriend loves watching me have sex with another guy. We have done this with the same guy a few times now. The last two times when my boyfriend and I are having sex, he will say stuff like, you thought about fucking him today, didn't you? Why didn't you invite him over when I was at work? I think it would be so hot to fuck this other guy, take a video of it, and hand the video to my boyfriend when we're having sex. Do you think this was a green light to do it, or does another conversation need to happen? I think that, well, <laughs> you lucky lady, um, I think that just to be safe, you could maybe lightly bring it up and be like, So did you mean that when you, next time you're fucking, okay, and he's talking dirty like this, so go fuck him and have talk dirty like this and be like, did you mean that? 
you know, like clarify that post nut, maybe even pillow talk. You'll get the real honest and he'll be like happy he came. So maybe that's a good idea. But yeah, I would just to play it safe, just to like know that it wasn't just him being filthy and maybe that did cross a line and he threw that out as a feeler, you know? So just because it's your home. If it was like something different, but this is inviting him into your home while he's at work, you know, I think that you should be on the up and up and put yourself in his shoes. And maybe you're like, well, I wouldn't say that if I didn't mean it. And maybe that's the case. But if it was me, I would definitely get a confirmation green light. Hilarious. I say if it was me, my husband would never. We're not, we're not sharing. I commonly get asked if I'm in an open marriage. So clarifying again, no, we are monogamous as of this point in time. And yeah, I don't see that changing anytime soon. Moving on to the next question. Okay. She goes, I'll set the scene. My husband is currently deployed and has been for four months. I am a hypersexual 22-year-old female. Most of the time I can turn it off because that's the only way to get through six months of no sex. Six plus, she said. Side note, my husband is in the Navy, only has access to his phone when he ports in another country, usually about a week long. When my husband ports, we sext and talk it up because I fucking love sex. During those times, I'm very worked up and would like to use a rabbit or some kind of G-spot stimulator. However, my husband does not want me to get one because he is worried that I will like it better than him. <laughs> And his past girlfriend actually stopped fucking him. I don't give a fuck. Because she preferred a dildo. He has told me that he would actually be mad if he came home and found that I had a dildo or something similar. I understand his worry and insecurity. You're fucking nice. And I don't want to lie to him. So what do I do? <clears throat> okay. I've never really used anything to stimulate my G-spot before, just a preface. Oh, you're missing out. Tried to give all the details I could think of. Love the pod and love you. Girl, I love you. And I appreciate you listening. And because I love you, because I give a fuck, and because I, as a woman, as a woman, as a fellow woman who is also hypersexual, if you are really hypersexual, I know you can turn it off. I know you can be that bad bitch, but that's not what you want. You are not asking him for an open relationship so you can go get your fuck on while he's gone. Like some women and men, whether they're the ones in the military or the ones staying at home, have asked for. I guarantee you, you could find a community amongst your Navy wife peers. You could, uh, first of all, I'm sure you know, I'm going to shoot you straight, the reputation of men in the military. And I am not putting that stigma on your husband and saying, your husband's a cheater because he's in the military. I'm not saying that because it's a personality. You know the man you married. I do not. But I will just say this. It is a little bit of a red flag that he is not considerate of your physical needs being met while he's gone. And in regards to you taking care of them, it blows my mind a little bit. And so it almost seems like a little projection, uh, projecting uh, his insecurities. Like you said, you're 
empathizing and understanding of his worry and insecurity, but like what, like his past experience. So if your last man was a big cheater, cheater, pumpkin eater, if he was gone for more than a week away from you, you never knew where his dick was going to end up. Are you going to put that on your husband? I don't think so. You know what I mean? So if I were you, I'd be like, get over it. Like be mad because I'm not going to lie to you. I don't want to lie to you, but this is something I need I'm not, I mean, if you don't, if go, go as far as like, I won't watch pornography, like you don't have to watch a gangbang to masturbate. You can think about whatever you want, your loving husband for all I care. You know what I mean? And if that's what gets you off while you're masturbating, tell him, Get you know, he'll enjoy hearing that. And if he doesn't, if he really, really has a problem with you self-pleasuring, then I mean, I, I'm going to just go ahead and say that I have been with people like that and I have said, get the fuck over it. And guess what? Not any of them have broken up with me or made it a bigger deal than it needed to be. I think you need to go about explaining it the right way and be like, you know, it's not fair to put that on me. What your ex-girlfriend did getting addicted to her dildo make sure you don't go buy some monster dildo, get something comparable. You could even get a copycat of your husband's dick. There are sex toys where you can make a mold of your man's dick. That's a fan fucking tastic idea. Light bulb, amen, Jordan, get that kit. Okay. And clone his dick. And you're like, babe, I am fucking you. Okay. That is your dick. And now you're going to know how to work it. Just, I'm like, wait a second. It doesn't. It just stays there, but it's okay. You're going to know what his dick feels like inside of you. So I think more often, I think that you're going to have to nip that because I would start getting resentful and I feel like it's a wee bit controlling. And I mean, if you really aren't hating your life about it, but I mean, you're writing into me, you know what I mean? Like you're 22, You have many, many years to explore your sexuality. I don't know how long he is going to do that. And when I say sexuality, I'm not saying like what gender you prefer. I'm saying what you prefer in the bedroom, like what, how you know your body in touch with your own femininity, your sensual side, your sexuality. And another note I wanted to bring up or point is he is deployed. Is he masturbating? Huh? Is he spanking the monkey? Is his dick and Palmela Henderson hanging out? Because I'm going to bet you one million fucking dollars that he is. And if he says he's not, you're, I am promising you that your husband is lying to you. And I'm just telling girl code, I am just being honest with you. Unless he's having a wet dream every night. Like he is masturbating. I promise. So... Don't you dare. You know what? I was almost going to tell you to lie to him, but I don't want to be be naughty. But I'm winking heavily through the microphone, if you feel me. If you call him and he says, no, babe, I am not masturbating while I'm here. I'm waiting for you. You can hang up the... No, don't hang up the phone. Don't hang up the phone. Put the phone down so he can hear you. And pull your pants off and get to work, sister. No. And I know people are like, that's not a punishment. That's a reward. But just because he said he didn't like it, just tell him you're fucking your new dildo when he says that because he's lying. 
So I hope I didn't disrupt your day. I love you. Thanks for listening. And I just wanted to tell you the truth. If any of you out there are wanting some real talk, real truth, spit at you, a real opinion anyways, because I'm sure people disagree, but if you want my opinion, you can send in a question anonymously, or you can suggest a topic idea, ask me a personal, personal question, whatever it may be. Go to my website, thehornyhousewifepodcast.com. There is a confess and request tab and submit away. You can also follow me on social media, Instagram at underscore the horny housewife podcast. Slide in my DMs. I can get some great context. If you have a question, follow me on TikTok at the horny housewife podcast. And I go live a couple times a week. So see you over there. That's in the episode notes. So you don't have to remember. I love you. It is now time for me to introduce our guest, Jason Gaddis. He is the author of the book, Getting to Zero. He is a self-proclaimed author, teacher, student of relationships. I will say he passes the vibe check, actually has some really good shit to say that we could all jot down on our notes app. So without further ado, let's just get into it. So Jason, thanks for coming on and talk talking to me and the Freaky Fam. Uh, introduce yourself. Tell us who you are and what you are an expert in, quote unquote. Yeah, uh, I'd say I'm... What's up? I'm Jason, uh, founder of The Relationship School. And I just give a shit about relationships. And that's kind of what I specialize in my life. Um, that would be what I am an expert in. And that mostly is, uh, around high stakes relationships. I'd say that's my specialty is helping people with their family relationships, their partnerships. What does high stakes mean? Like clarify that for me. High stakes. It means, um, my wife and I are in a high stakes relationship because the stakes are high if it doesn't go well. Like if we get divorced, there's a mortgage to deal with. There's finances that are joined. There's two kids involved. There's a lot of stuff that is going to be impacted if we make a decision. Low stakes is uh, a coworker that I met a month ago that I barely talked to. Gotcha. That makes sense. Yeah. There's a lot more to lose. And I know yeah. that there's like the saying people like don't stay for the kids, but it's like, gosh, right. there's so much at stake, like you just said, and it affects so, so many completely. people and yeah. communication is vital, obviously. And you were saying to me before how communication, we don't necessarily know how to do it when we're in high stress. Elaborate yeah. on that for me. Yeah. Under stress, we go from the front part of our brain toward the back part of our brain, what I call the back seat. Um, it's as if you let go of the steering wheel if you're driving and all of a sudden you find yourself in the back seat or the trunk and that when we are in the back seat, we say and do stupid shit. We're emotional, we're highly charged and we do things that we might later regret. And that's mostly normal. Uh, most people get pretty stressed out and that's road rage is a classic example or yelling at your spouse and you're like, oops, God, I can't believe I just did that. Or, you know, screaming at your kids. These are all pretty normal behaviors, sadly. Yeah. Um, those are, that's kind of what I mean by like stress. And we, we just are bad there. Right. And like fighting fair, that term of like not name calling and doing certain things that 
make it now unfair and people get defensive and go back and forth. Do you find like a direct correlation with people? Cause you said relationship school. Does that mean you're working with couples and like, like one-on-one or in individuals and couples, it's, it's whoever wants to learn, right? It's whoever the person that's raising their hand saying, I want to get better at this. Do you find when you work with these people that their environment at home when they were a child had greatly impacted or the relationship they saw their parents have or not have directly impact how they respond to their partner and what yeah. is chaos and like yelling? I grew up in a loud Italian family and that is just how we spoke to each other, Right. <laughs> which someone where my husband grew up Mormon and oh, wow. they're really quiet and he is not yeah. a practicing Mormon, but it's like, I'm scary sometimes. For sure. Yeah. I grew up in Utah, by the way. I, I was, but you know. in Salt Lake City. oh yeah, I know all about the Mormon church. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, yes. Uh, some of us, our relational blueprint is what I call it is we get, you know, two decades basically of a download about how to do relationships just by watching the big people. Right. And so it's really understandable. And, and our nervous system gets entrained into the environment. So if uh, you grew up in a yelling family or a silent family where everyone just went to their room and no one talked about anything and we just kind of hoped it got better, a few days later, we just sort of went back to a normal life. Th- those have a huge impact on our adult relationships. And we don't really see it until we're in a high stakes relationship. Like hard to see that stuff when we're dating. But as soon as you get over the honeymoon stage and things get um, a little more conflictual and challenging, that's when those behaviors and templates start to come out. Do you think that there is a point of no return in some relationships where it's not like not infidelity, I'm not talking about that or abuse, but like, do you ever think that people just go about it wrong for so long and there's so much resentment that you, you can't fix it? Absolutely. And this usually happens to stubborn, ignorant people who are unwilling to learn, right? No um, willingness. Yeah. That's like, yeah, they're, just not willing. They're, they're just like, no, I'm winging it. I, I can wing it and I'll be fine. And 20 years later, they're in a shitty relationship. That's really lame. And then they're just, it's just like so much water under the bridge. There's so much baggage that's undealt mm-hmm. with. They even try to go to counseling or coaching or something. And it, it's probably not going to help that much because they've, they've procrastinated doing the work for you know two so decades. long. Yeah. That's sad. That's a shame. One thing when I knew I was going to talk to someone in the expertise that you had, I wanted to ask because the most common complaint I hear from couples that write in, I get a lot of listener questions. That's like a huge part of my show. Yeah. Most of the question and just as many women now as men. So I, I would like to hear if the answer differs for a specific gender, but how to have the conversation of feeling truly neglected in the sex department. And I feel like it could be, in my opinion, a different conversation, depending on if it's a man or a woman. Yeah. I think it's more for me. It's yeah, it's interesting. It's more, it's less gendered for me. It's more like who is my partner and what is their nervous system like and, and how do they take constructive criticism and how do I need to approach the conversation? And most people do really well with leading with an appreciation first and leading with some empathy. Hey, honey, I know we, uh, so if I'm a man and I'm talking to you, uh, the conversation might be a little different because uh, I might, as a new father, let's say we just had two kids under five, we might be just in it, right? As parents, 
And I might feel neglected as the man because now the body's woman is breastfeeding and she's not really feeling it all that much. And this is very common in yes, kind of a traditional common, marriage, yeah. right? So if I'm the man, I might rather than come to her with a complaint, like um, I'm horny and we're not having sex and you're being, you're neglecting me, which is just blaming. Yeah. I might come to her with, Hey honey, I know we've been just deep in it, raising kids. And I know you're doing so much beautiful work, breastfeeding. And I so appreciate how you're nurturing and showing up for our children. And I'm feeling just a little neglected and kind of alone over here. So okay. that might be one way, right? And let's say it's the reverse though. Let's say it's reverse gender. The woman is actually feeling that kids or no kids. Um, it's the same thing. It's like, honey, I know you're working really hard and you're really stressed out and you have your job is so stressful or you're raising the kids or whatever. And, and I love you and I'm feeling neglected. I'm feeling kind of alone over here. I'm feeling sad that, um, and I miss our sexual Intimacy. chemistry, our connection. I miss touch. Yeah. What about if they resent the shit out of each other? And it's like, that's why. And it's not life's cock blocks, which are such a thing, but people <laughs> that literally like, I had a listener last week write in and he goes, how do I tell my partner? And I pulled my audience. I got a lot of feedback and gave my opinion as well. But he asked, how do I tell my partner that I am no longer sexually interested in her? So it's like, I, I, I didn't have any context because he submitted it anonymously. Right. And I'm yeah. like, wow, there's so many factors. Like, what is it? Or is it yeah. resentment? Is it, what is it? Yeah, totally. So those are kind of two different things. So if there's resentment and we just kind of hate each other, we just don't really like each other. That's a different issue. It's like you, again, you're ignorant and you waited too long um, and you were unwilling. So we, we want to be proactive as a couple to head off these challenges so they don't pile up. And we need to have the kind of agreement in our marriage that it's okay to talk about difficult things. It's okay to give each other feedback respectfully. It's okay to have this kind of conversation because that resentment usually comes from two people who are scared to tell the truth mm. in, the, in their marriage, which is Ooh. fucking blows. Like, why would yeah. I be in a marriage if I can't tell the truth to my partner? Yeah. How I really feel, right? And like people that maybe, like you said, ignorant or unwilling, but that don't want to do the work, even like on themselves, like sometimes people need to heal and they're unhealed people living in a relationship. That's right. Sometimes people, we have all, we're bringing in all our entire history into the relationship. And, and most people, again, ignorant people don't get that when they get married. They're like, they just think that the fairy tales and that I met the right person. So it must just kind of be easy. It's supposed to feel good. And it's like, no. It's so fucking difficult to live with another person and also still be attracted to them and have a good sex life 10, 15, 20, 25 years in. Like, that's difficult. That doesn't yeah. come easy for the vast majority of people. No, it does not. Yeah, marriage is hard. B rewarding, and I feel yeah, blessed amazing. for commitment for sure. But, I mean, it's hard, and I you have to be intentional. Or, like you said, you begin to you'll live parallel lives or resent each other, grow apart. Yeah. Cause it just, le it leads to all kinds of problems. Right. And it, again, if you want to kill your sex life, the fastest way to do that is to ignore the unresolved issues. Amen. Yeah. Amen. So tell uh, my listeners about your book and what it, what you do. Yeah. So because I'm a relationship nerd and I teach this stuff and study this stuff for a living, I founded a school, so we have lots of classes and courses. We train relationship coaches. We help people get the class they never got in school, right? Because we didn't learn this mm -hmm. stuff in high school or college. So we created lots of courses and curriculum on that. And then I also decided to write a book because 
And I wanted to write a book about the hardest part of relationships, which is conflict. And how do we do that well? And how do we recover from conflictual interactions with the our most important people? So what would you say is a good way? So when you were saying come with a, a gentle approach, do you feel like with every situation, what about a boundary that someone lays that they feel is constantly broken or they don't feel heard or respected? Someone who doesn't feel seen in their relationship. Like how do you? Well, those are two, those are two different ones. If I don't feel seen, that's uh, my response is a little different than if I'm feel like my boundaries are being okay, violated. Yeah. Two different things. So about, let's say the boundary yeah. violation first. Um, well, I have to realize that if so, if I continue, the person can, continues to, quote, disrespect my boundaries, I'm continuing to allow them to be disrespected. So the boundary's not firm enough yet. Oh, okay. okay. On that one. And in terms of being seen, um, again, I, am I revealing myself? Am I being vulnerable? Am I opening my heart? Am I really telling the person what's going on inside? So really looking inward and seeing like where you play a part in that feeling of like, I feel unseen because of why, like what, what's hurting me. What do you think anger is? I hear so many different responses to like anger being a secondary emotion. What does that mean? Like it means it's hurt. Well, yes, I like that. And let me say it this way that when we have an expectation, Like, let's say you and I are married and I have an expectation. We're going to have sex twice a week. That's my expectation. Well, when that expectation isn't met, I'm going to be angry, right? Uh Underneath that, I might be hurt and scared, but more often than not, I'm going to be like angry because you're not living up to my expectations. So anger is often the result of unmet expectations. And some people aren't very honest about their expectations. They're like implicit expectations. They haven't made them explicit um, and told their partner, hey, I kind of expect this. Can we agree that this is what we're going to do? Uh, that leads to anger. And then I do believe, um, if I feel, let's say you and I are in a relationship and you continue to kind of blow me off just emotionally, I want to share about my day. I want to talk to you and connect with you emotionally. And you just kind of turn, you keep looking at your phone, right? Um, well, I might get pissed after a while for sure. But underneath that is I feel hurt. Uh, I just hurt. My feelings got hurt. Mm -hmm. And the anger protects me from showing you my hurt because that's way too vulnerable vulnerable because I don't feel safe. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like, I mean, I guess maybe that's the toxic masculinity, like where men are like taught at a young age, don't cry or don't get vulnerable. That's weak. Absolutely. Like guys, guys seems like we're allowed to be angry, but not much more. And that's because we're so emotionally constipated that and, and we got conditioned to stuff it, to act tough and strong and all the bullshit male conditioning things. And unfortunately, that is that comes with a very large price tag in uh, marriage because ca- like sex, good sex and good chemistry and a good connection in a marriage require emotional literacy and talking about what's going on inside. And if guys can't do that, they're stunted emotionally. Oh, amen. Right? Amen. What do you, 100%. what advice do you get? Like, what do you do to help a man who is, who lacks emotional intelligence? Like what well, do you, and they're willing. Totally. But okay. Willing. What do you do? That's huge. Right. Um, Jordan is we have to have a willing person. Like a lot of men are just not willing. They're just like, fuck that. I'm not opening that Pandora's box. No way. Okay. okay. Well then don't expect good sex or a good marriage. Yeah. <laughs> Period. End of story. But if you're willing, there's hope. There's a ton of hope and there, it can completely happen. I was a formerly very emotionally 
uh, shut down, unavailable man. And I'm very emotionally available to my kids and my partner now, but it took me, you know, and, and I work with men like this all the time. Like they need to learn how to talk about what's going on inside. And the first step is to say, I don't know what's going on inside. Mm, yeah, I feel so numb. I feel blah. I don't feel anything. Great. That's a first step. And then over time, and it took me a lot of psychotherapy, um, group work, men's work, going to a men's group, like um, hitting pillows and shit. Like I had to uncork a lot of. Um, so it wasn't your wife attraction. or your girlfriend at the time or any woman in your life that was going to pull that out of you. You thought it was really important to have that man support system. I did, but I did have a female therapist that was super helpful initially. Okay. Eventually I transitioned to a male therapist because I wanted to explore that, that edge that felt scarier to me because I grew up with a really intense dad. Um, but yeah, it, I didn't have a girlfriend that was like, come on, you need to be emotional. And, and in fact, that when I, when women in my twenties, when they'd asked me, what are you feeling? Or I need to know what's going on inside. I just pushed them away. Do you, it's hard to read emotionally unavailable people. It's like, you're like wondering what's going on in their head. Like, yeah, especially with your dating. But once you get married to them and you're in a, it's very easy. It's, it's so clear that someone's emotionally not really there. Yes. Yeah. But early on, you're so spot on there. So for couples listening, or if anyone's feeling like hopeless, but if you're willing, there is so much hope to still hold on to, like you're not fucked. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Especially again, willing male, willing, female, willing, whoever, if you have willingness and you're willing to apply yourself, right? Just like going to the gym, right? You can't get in shape or get fit unless you're willing to do a little bit of work. You got to actually pick something up off the ground called a weight. You got to walk. You got to start running. You got to do shit. What would you say is the, like, if they're like, okay, I want to do the work. I need to start doing something. What's the first thing they should do? Um, well, they have help? an agree, have a conversation. You mean in a partnership or are we talking about like, like say they like to a married couple is like, okay. Or they listen to this or they feel this type of way or whatever. And they, they're like, something needs to change. Like this can't keep going this way. Yeah. They yeah. feel like say a woman feels like her husband is emotionally unavailable. And he's like, I, I would do anything to make this marriage work. I love you. I want to be with you. How do you, what's, where do you go from there? Like, okay, we need to go to couples counseling or we need to do like, what is the first thing they should do? Yeah. Well, unfortunately for men, especially couples counseling often doesn't work that great um, because the counselor is a female and he feels like he's the, you know, uh, problem person in the mar in the relationship. Uh, so if you can find a male practitioner, that would be I good. I always say that. I say the same exact thing you say. Like, get yeah. a man. Don't get a woman. Uh, if you're going in there with your husband, he's going to be like, no, y'all are tag teaming me. <laughs> right. But a skillful, a very skillful female therapist or coach can get through to guys like this that are, that are very just good. Okay. Yeah. So that's, I don't want to rule out. You got to find one though. I, that's the challenge is finding yeah. the fit sometimes. Yeah. It can, yeah. it can be hard. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And another thing I'd recommend is that two, two of them have a conversation. And unfortunately, couples counseling usually doesn't move the needle enough. Um, there's a difference between a client and a student. So a client goes to a counselor hoping that the counselor will kind of change them or fix them. A student signs up for a class, does a workshop on relationships, listens to podcasts, starts reading a book because they want to actually learn to do something differently mm -hmm. permanently. They don't want to yeah. just put out the fire and put a bandaid on it and make it feel better. They're like, no, I don't like this part of my life. So Doing I always the encourage work. couples to take courses and actually invest money into learning together. And that's essentially what you offer, right? Like with the relationship school. 
Totally. Yeah. The shame-free plug obviously is read my book together. Are you taking new clients? Um, I do, but it's pretty rare. You have to apply. It's kind of hard to get in. I charge a lot. So there's, but I have relationship coaches that can help. And we also have, my wife and I created a course called relationship upgrade. If you're looking to kind of upgrade. So there's, there's actually courses you can do as individuals or as a couple. Yep. Virtually. Cool. That's interesting. I'm like, I want to do it. Like That's interesting. (laughs) And the book is called, your book is called getting to zero. So tell me the book name again. Yeah, getting to zero, how to work through conflict in your high stakes relationships. And where can people purchase that and find it? And people are like, what the hell does zero mean? It just means getting back to a good place. How do we get back to a good place and stay there as much as we can? And when we get in a fight, how can we get back to zero, back to a good place? Like clean slate. Like Yeah, like let's yeah. clean slate. We feel good. Like we could have sex. Like we feel like yeah. open and, and available to each other. That's how we all want to feel then if you, that's true, then learn how to get to zero. Learn, just learn a couple of things, read this book. It's going to help you get there. Um, and where can people find it? It depends, you know, it's not mostly and it's in all the places, Amazon, et cetera. But if you want to take a fun little quiz and learn your conflict style, you can go to getting to zero book.com. Okay. I will put all of this information as well in the episode notes. So if you don't remember, you can go check there. I'll put a link as well. Thank you, Jason, for coming on the podcast and giving us some awesome insight and perspective. I learned some things too. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for helping the people have better relationships and better sex lives out there. Well, Freaky Family, that concludes the interview. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Please subscribe. You can rate on Spotify now if you're a Spotify listener. So give me five stars. If you're on iTunes, give me five stars. Leave me a review. If you leave me a review and screenshot it, you have to screenshot it and send me it so I know that you're wanting shit send a screenshot, slide in my Instagram DMs, and I will send you some free goodies. I'll send you lube. I'll send you something to spice it up in the bedroom. If you have a listener question, send it in on my website or my Instagram, thehornyhousewifepodcast.com, Instagram at underscore thehornyhousewifepodcast. We're a little community over there trying to grow, grow, grow our hearts out. I've had my Instagram deleted four fucking times. I literally think I have a Vice ban after all the podcast I've listened to about this shit, but that's for another time, not on the podcast. I know you don't give two fucks. I hope you have a amazing, amazing week. I want to hear from you. I love you and I hope you get laid. See you next week. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.